Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Hey, boy, Malo. Welcome to MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Oops Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you as we're going to be going to my home state of Wisconsin, Matt Pauley. He does pre- and post-game work for the Milwaukee Brewers. He's also a man that does some hosting with 620 WTMJ, ESPN Milwaukee. You've heard him on SB Nation Radio. He's going to be joining me for two segments. We're going to be talking about just how weird this year is going to be in general. And we're also going to be talking about the Milwaukee Brewers. And something that I've been talking about on this podcast is the Arizona plan possibly becoming the Florida plan. Because one thing that I've been getting at the last week or so is that Florida is the only state right now in the United States that has athletes, those that work with regards to sports media, everything like that as, and I quote, essentials. We're going to be talking to him about that. And something else that needs to be kept in mind is that a lot of these things are being floated out there with changing around baseball a little bit for the 2020 season. Things like the universal designated hitter, the electronic strike zone, list of things goes on and on. A lot of these things at minimum have been tried out in the minor leagues before. And with Matt Pauly, this is a guy that has worked in a variety of different organizations. He's dialed in with regards to the minor league system of the Milwaukee Brewers. He used to work out with the Kansas City Royals minor league system. He's worked minor league baseball a lot as well. So we're going to be getting his take on that. And this is right now what I encourage all of you guys are into baseball and are into baseball betting do. 
Just get a variety of different opinions. Try to look at things that are going to change for the 2020 season. And just, for one, assume that we're going to have a 2020 season because right now, obviously, we haven't necessarily been getting the best news with regards to the coronavirus. Now, it does seem like things are tapering off a little bit, but I know that there is a lot of things that are happening and there are a lot of things that need to happen in order for us to get baseball back into our lives. But the worst thing that could happen is being caught with your pants down and not being prepared for when baseball does return. It would be much better to maybe waste a little bit of time and the baseball season and doesn't happen rather than just putting it off until the last minute say baseball comes back right around the 4th of July which I've been on this podcast and I've been saying most likely would be the case for about a month if that winds up being the case and you've done absolutely no research you have not been keeping up with these teams that could lead to a little bit of a doomsday scenario and you want to try to just keep note of some of these guys that are trying to practice and trying to stay in shape because there are a lot of guys that they are tweeting out their videos guys like Joey Gallo hitting in his I don't know whether it's a house apartment, what have you, but he's staying in shape. Our good buddy Matt Polly is going to be talking to us in a few minutes about some of the guys that he's spoken to and how they are staying ready and how that might be able to give you a little bit of an advantage slash disadvantage because I feel like typically with regards to the baseball season, the hitters are a little bit behind the pitchers at the beginning of the year. That might be the absolute opposite. Matt is going to be talking about that in a few minutes and if you've been looking at some of the TikTok, Twitter, what have you videos, it really does show through as to just the way that some of these baseball players are trying to stay in shape with the pitchers. We saw Joe Kelly, he was trying to throw at a tarp and he was practicing his changeup. He winds up hitting a window. Now it shows that Joe Kelly is just not a good pitcher in general. I believe from the years 2014 through 2019, he had an ERA below four once. That is what we would like to call not good for a middle reliever. I realize that he was a starter early on in his career with the St. Louis Cardinals, but still, guys, just not necessarily the guy that I really want to have my money on late in the game, but it certainly is some of these things that you want to keep track of, and hopefully we're doing a good job of just giving you guys some different perspectives. We've been trying to get on some guys with a gambling aspect, guys like Gil Alexander, David Behrman of ESPN Chalk, then you got guys that are right now following things from a money standpoint. Jared Willis of Forbes comes to mind. You've got Jessica Kleinschmidt, someone that talks to these players on a day-to-day basis out there in the Bay Area. Now we're going to get on someone that does pre- and post-game work with my Milwaukee Brewers, Matt Polly. He does a great job of hosting. He actually hosts a Brewers podcast as well. He has been speaking with a lot of the head honchos of the MLB. He's been doing radio shows of his own. He's been speaking with so many players. We're going to get his perspective on a little bit of everything. He's going to be explaining to us why something like the electronic strike zone might not be as smooth sailing as we might think on paper. And we're going to be talking about so many of the logistics of this season. And we're going to be talking about the Milwaukee Brewers in general since they are a hot button team. And I feel like a team that might have a whole lot of value when we do get a season in 2020. And that's coming up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the Azunia Hotline. All right, and we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. 
Great to have on our next guest. This is a man that does pre- and post-game work out there with the Milwaukee Brewers in my home state of Wisconsin. So, always good to get a great Wisconsinite on here. He does some work with 620 WTMJ ESPN Milwaukee. He's done some work with SB Nation Radio as well. And he does some play-by-play work in the basketball sphere as well for the UW-Green Bay women's basketball team. He is a native of the city of St. Louis, went to Kansas State, and now he is joining me on this fine podcast. You can follow my Twitter at Matt Pauly on air. And Pauly is spelled P-A-U-L-E-Y, as it is Matt Pauly. And Matt, great to have you on today. How are you? I'm good, Greg. Thanks for having me on. It is great to have you on. And as many people that listen to this podcast know, I am a Milwaukee Brewers fan. And I honestly thought the Brewers had a pretty solid offseason. I feel like the expectations coming into the year by the national media were underselling the Brewers a little bit because I feel like so many people forget that the Brewers were six outs away from knocking off the Washington Nationals, who we all remember wound up winning the World Series. The Brewers were able to get home runs in the first and second inning off of Max Scherzer. Things went downhill, and you had the ball go through the legs of Trent Grisham and everything like that. So obviously it was a little bit of a rough situation, but I thought the Brock Holt signing was rock solid. Now you've got a pitching staff with the Milwaukee Brewers that obviously you're not going to be able to get a whole lot of length out of the starters, but you still have a pretty good bullpen. You still have Josh Shader, in my opinion, one of the best weapons out there in baseball. I thought that the Brewers were being undersold a little bit. I don't know about you, but I'm actually very optimistic about this team, whether or not we get the crazy Cactus League division or if we get the NL Central. Yeah, and I'm sure we're going to get more into that. But I mean, just very from a raw standpoint, looking at the roster, there weren't a ton of sexy moves being made, but there were very solid moves that were the kind of moves the Brewers make and they have success with. You're right about starters. You're not going to get much more than five innings out of most guys not named Brandon Woodruff. He's probably the one guy who's going to give you a little bit more length out of the rotation, but they've never gotten that. Every year it's the same thing. People get worried about the starting pitching with the Brewers, and every year it's the same thing. They get a bunch of serviceable guys giving them starts and keeping them in games, and then as long as the bullpen can do its job and as long as the offense can can go score some runs, they find ways to win games. The Omar Nevaez signing, obviously losing, yes, Monty Grandal hurt, but having an offensive catcher like Nevaez losing Grandal doesn't hurt as much if he can just be a serviceable defensive catcher. The first base situation is going to be really odd and just interesting to look at. You don't know if it's going to be Justin Smoke, Ryan Braun, Logan Morrison was having a great spring training before everything got cut down. There's going to be a lot of mixing and matching in the outfield. Avisael Garcia is another guy who I think was an under-the-radar acquisition who's going to be pretty good. And you did mention Brock Holt, and he's a perfect brewer because he can go play so many different positions. I think the team did more in the offseason and deserves a little bit more credit than they were getting from most national folks. Absolutely, and I'm right there with you on Avi Sale Garcia. This is a guy that wound up popping 20 home runs when he was with the Tampa Bay Rays. This is a guy that was an all-star in 2017. I just feel like a lot of people remember him from 2018 and 2018 only, and this is a guy that I felt like was also a very good off-the-radar signing. As we do have Matt Pauly joining me right here on the podcast. And it does bring up a very interesting debate because we were just talking about the Milwaukee Brewers. They're not a team that they're going to be carried by their starting pitching. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is a team that they really go to the bullpen. They take the wholesale approach, much like a team out there in the American League, like the Tampa Bay Rays, which ironically enough, obviously, Garcia was playing for last year. And with a condensed season, I think it's fascinating because we saw in the postseason, the Washington Nationals, they were able to manipulate their starting pitchers. They were able to have... Steven Strasburg come on the bullpen in that wild card game that we both remember all too well. And I think it brings up an interesting debate as to 
who a shortened season helps out the most. A team like the Milwaukee Brewers that goes into the bullpen, they don't necessarily have that one great starter, but they just have a good bedrest of various pitchers that they're able to go to, or a team like the Washington Nationals, where you've got a bunch of good starting pitchers, but you just have absolutely no bullpen whatsoever. And perhaps because you have a couple fewer games, you're able to manipulate it a little bit more, use these guys in some relief situations, obviously. Can't use it like it would in a seven-game postseason series, but you're able to be a little bit more free with it. Your manager has to manage to your strength. When I hear you ask that question, I don't know if the shortened season does per se benefit one or the other. It's more about how you use your, your resources. Now, I think the other part of this that really is a big condition on whether or not the Brewers are going to be able to benefit by the shortened season is how many extra roster spots do you have? If they, if they go short in season, but you're less off days, maybe some double headers and rosters are expanded to like maybe only 27 or 28 or 29 or something, probably 27 or 28. I don't know how much that really helps the Brewers because we see what they do in September when they have the expanded roster. But if we're talking like rosters of 30 guys or more to start the season, especially, I think that's where it really starts to benefit the Brewers because the Brewers are so good when they've got all those different pieces they can use. They've had such good September runs each of the last two years. It really got them into the postseason this past year. It got them to the best record in the National League with the game 163 two years ago. So that's the big question. No matter what, if you're the Washington Nationals and you've got all those pitchers or any team that's got great starting pitching that can provide you length, you are going to be able to have success with that, whether you're playing 162 games or whether you're playing 100 games. like That doesn't matter. But if you are the Brewers, I do think that it is important that you do have enough extra guys available in the bullpen that a condensed schedule just doesn't destroy and wear down your bullpen completely. I'm right there with you, and I do think that it actually does help the Milwaukee Brewers out a little bit as well because we just don't know what shape these guys are going to be coming back in because when spring training was shut down, it was middle of March, we were right around two weeks away from the start of the regular season, give or take a day or two. We were right in that neighborhood. And now you just don't know how these guys are preparing right now in the off season or this downtime. Now, when we do get baseball back, you are going to have a little bit of a second spring training, but you don't know how long that's going to be. I've heard as short as two weeks. I've heard as big as four weeks. I sort of think it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the neighborhood of three weeks, but we know it's tougher for some of these guys to get stretched out to be able to go six plus innings rather than a reliever, which all you need to do, come in for an inning or two and do your job as well. Yeah, you know, I do a Brewers podcast each week, and I had former Brewers pitcher Tim Dillard on uh, last oh, week. Yes. He's now a member of the Texas Rangers. And I asked him about that. Like, what are you doing? And literally what he is doing is he has set up a tarp in his garage, and he throws into the tarp. And then he's got a kid, I think his kid's like 12 years old or something, maybe younger than that. Every once in a while, he goes outside and plays catch with his son like that's what he's doing is because you can't go anywhere nothing's open and I think that's probably very similar to a lot of pitchers out there now from a hitting standpoint there's a lot of guys at the major league level who have some sort of cage or something probably built in their home especially the more established major league kind of guys but if you're a pitcher you're throwing against a tarp in your garage yeah, I'm right there with you. I did see the setup of Joey Gallo. That is a very awesome setup for him to be able to hit some balls off the tee and everything like that. As we do have Matt Pauly joining me right here on the podcast. And the competition that some of these guys are going to be going up against, 
That is a little bit unknown because I know you tweeted this out. I have been following this very closely as to just some of the solutions baseball is trying to come up with to get us a season because no matter what, we're not going to get 162 games. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, and everything seems to be on the table. We've been hearing about the possibility of having some seven-inning doubleheaders. We've heard about the electronic strike zone, which if we do get a season, I certainly do think that we're going to have an electronic strike zone. We're going to have to do some social distancing. You can't have an umpire behind the plate unless if he's back six feet, and that's just not going to be possible. I am a former Little League baseball umpire, and I wouldn't be able to do it from six feet away unless I'm like standing behind the pitcher. And Well, we know that in the Major League Baseball, that probably would not be the best solution. But on the other side, I do want to get your take on this. And I also want to get your take on the juice ball, since you're a guy that you know quite a bit about what all happened with regards to why the ball was juiced in 2019. I know that you've done a little bit of reading up on that. So we're going to be talking about some of the logistics with this 2020 season, why the Arizona plan is probably the route that we're going to need to take and so much more. And that is coming up on the other side right here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem. So yeah, he better not blow it. Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. We are being rejoined by our good buddy, Matt Pauly. He does pre- and post-game work for the Milwaukee Brewers. You can also catch him on SB Nation Radio, 620 WTMJ, out there in the great city of Milwaukee, ESPN Milwaukee, and so much more. And you can follow him on Twitter, at Matt Pauly on air. I know that you're someone that believes that the Arizona plan is still probably the most likely one to happen. And I do think that we're going to have everything in either one or two bubble And I do think that what might be the most likely solution is having sort of that Arizona plan, but having it in Florida. Because right now with Florida, you have all these guys that are doing the WWE, the production staff, everyone like that. They're considered essential. And we know that part of one of the plans that was thrown out there is the... I guess you could call it spring training plan where you have half the league in Arizona, half the league in Florida. And I do think that the Arizona plan might morph into the Florida plan. I don't know what your thoughts are with all of this, but obviously there's no one clean solution for baseball. And I think the best way that we're going to get baseball this year is by having everything in one big giant bubble or having two bubbles like was thrown out there a few weeks ago with that spring training plan. Yeah, so let me be real clear on this. I think when we're talking about these things, what we're really looking for is the least terrible option. Yeah. Because none of these options are good. It's about finding the least terrible option. And I still think Arizona is the least terrible. And I think what makes it less terrible than the Florida option is how spread out the Grapefruit League is. Yeah, there's some veteran guys who play on teams that have trained in the Grapefruit League that have never been to some of the cities in the Grapefruit League because they're not going to get on a bus and sit on it for three, four hours. We're talking about some of these cities in the Grapefruit League being hundreds of miles apart. I mean, it is a really spread out league where when we're talking about going to Phoenix and, and talking about the Cactus League, everything is basically inside of Phoenix. So if you're Major League Baseball and you're trying to create this bubble where you can control as much stuff as possible, when you're in the Grapefruit League, all of a sudden that bubble gets so much bigger simply because a lot of these places are a lot further from each other than Cactus League, which is basically the Phoenix area. Yeah, and one of those solutions that has been thrown out there, like I alluded to, was that spring training sort of ordeal. And what that would do is 
You no longer have the NL Central. You no longer have the NL East. Instead, you'd have like the Cactus League West, the Cactus League East. And we know that the Milwaukee Brewers would be in a division with the Texas Rangers, the Kansas City Royals, the Seattle Mariners, and the San Diego Padres. And I think that would be one of the most fascinating things ever. I know that so many people would dislike it because you don't get Yankees, Red Sox, and everything like that. But I don't know what your thoughts are, but I am all on board with it because, for one, it would be something completely different for the 2020 season that we've never seen before. And two... My goodness, the Brewers would probably have a walk in that division. Yeah, so I'm a baseball purist, but this year I'm not going to be that because to me it's do whatever you need to do to get baseball played. And if that's what has to happen for baseball to be played this year, do it. I'm not going to complain about it. It's not anything that's going to go beyond this year. If it's a one-year deal, I'm completely fine with the way that would look. And to what you just said, probably the San Diego Padres and the Milwaukee Brewers would be the two best teams in that division. And we don't really know, you know, the, the Padres were such an underachieving team last year when they went for it. They had young guys that they did not keep down at AAA last year. Now they're going to lose a year of club control on those guys because they were going for it last year and it was an absolute disaster. And they are expecting to win. To me, you look at the Padres and you look at the Brewers as probably the two best teams inside that division. I'm clearly a lot closer to the Brewers than I am the Padres, but I still feel like the Brewers are a better team than the Padres. And then you've got the other teams, and none of those teams are especially good. I have a special place in my heart for the Kansas City Royals. I worked in that organization for two years when I was doing minor league ball. I love the Royals organization, but they're just not very good. The other teams aren't very good either. Yeah, I've got a buddy that does pre and post game work for the Seattle Mariners. They are clearly in rebuild mode, and that's putting it very politely, as Matt Pauly is joining me right here on the podcast. And I do think that it would be so fascinating if we would wind up getting that Cactus League and Grapefruit League as well. Because as we know, we were just mentioning it with the division that the Brewers would be in. You'd have some American League teams and you'd have some National League teams. And this would lead to a universal designated hitter. Something that I think a lot of people were clamoring for to happen within the next five to ten years. But I feel like with the coronavirus and all that is happening with trying to get baseball back up and running... We are going to see some of those advances. I was talking about the electronic strikes out a little bit earlier. Who knows? If it goes well in 2020, maybe we'll no longer have good old country Joe West behind the dish calling balls and strikes, which is something that I am all on board for because pitchers, they always have to change the way that they pitch whenever you have a guy that calls a low strike, a high strike, everything like that. You get a little bit more uniformity. And then the universal designated here is another thing as well. So I do think that we might see some big ripple effects. That is, of course, as long as we get a 2020 season. Yeah, so a couple things there. I think we are going to have universal DH at some point. There's too many reasons to do it. I'm not for it. Again, going back to being kind of the baseball purist, I like pitchers hitting. I like the moments. I like the strategy more than anything else that goes along with it, both from how you approach a lineup to pitching changes and things like that. I just, I like National League rules. I think the National League game is a more entertaining game than the American League game. But for this year, if they go to the spring training sites, you have to go Universal DH. I'd be hopeful that that wouldn't turn into them just sticking with that rule moving forward. It clearly could. I like the concept. I love the concept of the electronic strike zone. I love the idea that you can be 100% correct on balls and strikes using technology. The conceptual idea of that is something that I don't understand why any baseball fan would ever be against. If you can get a call right 100% of the time, then clearly you do whatever you need to do to make that happen. 
the problem I see, and again, it might just be this year, you deal with it and then you go forward. They did the testing in the Atlantic League last year. They've done some testing in some other places. And everything I've read is that margin of error is still worse than the average major league umpire out there. And I don't know how much more they've done in terms of trying to make it more correct going into this year, but it does still worry me that everything I've read says the technology has not been perfected to a point yet where it's better than the human umpires. Yeah, that is something that I've been reading up on a little bit as well. And what else I think is going to be so interesting is that we both know that the players and the owners are trying to get in as many games as possible because with every passing game that is missed, with every passing day, these guys are losing more and more money. So you got to think that there's going to be some sort of an effort to try to play some doubleheaders, even if it does mean putting the player's health at a little bit more risk, which is one thing that I'm hoping we can avoid as much as possible. I do think that if there is one change that would be made this year that I would not be in favor of that I've seen floated out there, it is a seven-inning doubleheader. I don't know what you think of this, but this is the one thing that I truly do not want to see from a baseball standpoint. I don't know how it would work with either the Arizona plan or even the the spring training plan. I mean, Arizona is already going to be hot. If you're starting games at seven o'clock at night, there's still going to be times where it's over a hundred degrees getting those games started to have regular double headers where you're playing those games in Arizona. That means you're starting games at the absolute latest, probably at four or five. It's really hot out. So I understand the reason you asked me the question was about the seven inning part. I kind of go back to what I said earlier. Generally, I would be against that this year. If you have to do that to get as many games in as possible, I'll live with it. I'll deal with it. I won't especially like it. Baseball is meant to be a nine-inning game, and I don't want to see seven-inning games. But if I have to deal with seven-inning games this year for them to be able to have a season, so be it. I'll live with it. But for me, the seven-inning doubleheaders could only really exist in a scenario where you are playing at your home ballparks, if they're trying to force in a lot of doubleheaders while playing a lot, all of your games in either Arizona or Florida, man, that's going to be tough. I don't know how you pull that off. Yeah, I don't know either. So hopefully we do not wind up getting that as we do have Matt Paul. You does pre and post game work for the Milwaukee Brewers joining me right here on the podcast. And then I've been asking a lot of people about this because it has been something that has been so badly buried because we remember one of the biggest headlines of the 2019 season, the godforsaken juice ball. I absolutely hated it. I knew I had guys busting it out of the box. They thought that it might be an out at best a double, and it winds up flying over the fence by 10 feet. And then we wound up seeing in the postseason, all of a sudden, the magic ball winds up going back to being the regular baseball. I don't know if you've heard anything as to whether or not they are going to be using the juice ball or not in 2020, but my goodness, hopefully baseball has learned from their mistake. And I've been asking so many people. I know that a lot of people, they don't have any clue, but one of my biggest hopes as well is that we don't have this juice ball. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm with you. I hope it's not there. It was not good for the game of baseball. And look, people like seeing home runs. I understand that. So for the conspiracy theorist out there, because it does result in more home runs, everybody thought it was done on purpose. I don't think we're ever going to really know if it was done on purpose or not. I feel like, you know, Major League Baseball took over Rawlings and then this ends up happening. For me, I feel like the more likely scenario was Major League Baseball basically just didn't know what they were doing. And there were some people that were making decisions and they didn't know the implications of the decisions they were being made. But whether it was done purposefully or whether it was done just out of 
ignorance, that really doesn't matter. What matters was the impact. And they stuck their head in the sand. They tried to pretend that it wasn't a thing, which was ridiculous because you've got scientists out there in baseball more than any other sport out there. You're going to have people who are really going to look into things like this. And once people who are able to really get into the ball, open up the ball, look at it and compare it, once those people got their hands on it, it was going to be very clear that there was a difference in the way that the baseball was. I've read a thing here or there since then. Uh, what's going to happen moving forward? I don't know what's going to change, but baseball should not be playing with that ball. And I think baseball recognized that when they were able to introduce some of the older baseballs back into the postseason. So to me, I'm hopeful. Maybe I'm coming from a utopian standpoint when I say this, but I am hopeful that baseball kind of changing back to the previous ball in the postseason proves that they knew that there was a mistake being made and that they will do their best to have a more true baseball moving forward. I am right there with you and I think that we all need to be hopeful as well because these are strange times to say the least. I can't remember ever being without sports for more than a week let alone more than a month. We are both hoping, praying, just doing anything possible to get baseball back in our lives. But Matt, I know you do terrific work with so many different outlets out there in Wisconsin. You've done some work with SB Nation Radio. Heck, I remember at the Vegas Edson Information Network, you were doing some updates for us during the holiday season as well. You're a man that's all over the place. So we'd like to close it up with this. Let the good people at home know what you're working on in general and just how they can follow you on social media. Yeah, you bet. So uh, locally in Milwaukee, I do stuff for WTMJ and ESPN Milwaukee. I'm not doing as much stuff right now simply because there is not as much stuff. My full-time job is with the National Radio Network, SB Nation Radio, where I do sports updates. That Visa and stuff you were talking about is actually through SB Nation Radio. There's a partnership there. I still pop up hosting on the network. I've got a couple shows this upcoming week on uh, Thursday. I'm in for Matt Peralt, and then I've got a show coming up over the weekend as well. So right now, SB Nation Radio is kind of the thing that's keeping me the most busy, but I'm not as busy as I would like to be. So let's just hope that baseball is being played sooner than later. Yes, sir. I would absolutely love a baseball season, and hopefully towards the end of the baseball season, we get a college basketball season that starts on time as well. That would make all of us very, very happy. And what made me very happy was having Matt Peralt on this fine podcast. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you ever have any question for the podcast, fired into my timeline at GNRS41. Going to continue to come at you guys three times a week until we get baseball back to our lives. And then once baseball gets back to being every day, this podcast goes back to being every day. So hopefully you're all safe and healthy. I'll talk to you guys in a few. Thank you so much. 